0: Twamiva matacha pita twamiva. Twamiva bantucha seca twamiva. Twamiva vidyadrevinam twamiva. Twamiva saravam mama deva deva. I bow to the Lord in all his forms. I bow to him in you. You know, there's an aspect of the path, as I've been saying, which demands a certain sternness. But, you know, it isn't, it isn't a harsh kind of sternness. It's a one-pointedness. It's a difference. There's a story, which I have read already, I believe, about a young boy who was brought to my guru's ashram by his mother, but he was not in tune with uh, the idea of being a disciple. And because the mother had placed it, this child in my guru's hands, my guru tried to discipline him. But the boy, every time my guru said anything, he would say, "Mommy, he's scolding me." He didn't like to be scolded. He didn't like to be helped. Towards what it really amounted to. Finally, my guru um, gave him a toy airplane, and oh, that was everything he wanted. He became an airplane engineer and achieved whatever happiness his karma made possible for him. But uh, most people, they think that when God disciplines us, Guru disciplines us, life disciplines us, they think, oh, it's harsh. And so they go bumping along through life, just up and down, always suffering, and a little bit of happiness, a little bit of pain, a little bit more happiness, a little bit of pain. It's sort of, uh, it's a very uneven road for such people. And when, as I was saying yesterday, uh, a person understands the need to just, whatever God gives is for our, our uh, I said this a week ago, um, whatever God gives us is for our good. When we accept that, actually something comes into the picture that's very different. Life becomes full of joy. It becomes a dance with God. It's not, it's not as if the saints were heaving heavy sighs as to, Oh, man, it's difficult. It's not like that at all. You never find anybody who has found God who says, What a disappointment. They all say this is what life is all about. And when you're in that, life becomes a constant dance of joy. There's this lovely story my guru told in... The book Conversations with Yogananda. It's number 152 if you happen to have that book. The master told this beautiful story about Durbasha, a saint in ancient India. Durbasha was called the angry one. Well, the master remarked with a chuckle, his anger may have been a bluff to protect himself from curiosity seekers. He was, however, a great yogi and a deep lover of God. One day in ecstasy, Durbasha danced in the spirit with Lord Krishna. In his exaltation, he suddenly beheld his body lying on the ground, lifeless. His body now was that of a young man. From then on, others saw him rejuvenated, and Durbasha cried out with joy, I was dancing in the spirit with Lord Krishna, And I saw my old body lying there in a heap. Krishna has given me a new suit of clothes. Well, you know, Krishna gives that new suit of clothes sometimes, rarely, literally, as in that case. But he gives you a new suit of clothes on your mind. If you love him, and if you take whatever tests he gives you, and sometimes the tests can seem severe, But you know, the wonderful thing is that once the tests have passed, you realize they were needed. They were wonderful, they were a blessing. They were God's grace on your life. I suppose all of us, I don't think I'm particular in this, but naturally I remember the tests I've gone through as you would remember the tests you've gone through. They were not easy to bear. But I can say in every case, that if I gave it to God and didn't let it beat me down, that it was the best thing that ever happened to me. <coughs> you know, in our Ananda community in California, the first one I founded in the Sierra foothills, it's a place where there can be forest fires. That's the one big danger there. And there was a forest fire that destroyed. 450 of our acres, 21 of our 22 homes. That is to say, we had other homes in other parts of the community, but in that part of the community, that's quite a loss, especially when you don't have insurance and no money. We didn't know how we'd rebuild, but we knew that we would because we believed in God. Now, others, neighbors of ours, also lost their homes. Ten years later, they were still moaning and weeping over what they had lost. The very next day after the fire, our people were out there joyfully clearing away all the dead, burned wood so they could rebuild. And you know another thing, because one of our sayings in our community, we have two major central mottos. One is, people are more important than projects or things. And the other one is, Joto dharma, toto joya, that's the Bengali pronunciation. Where there is dharma, or right, adherence to right, right action, right thought, there is victory. And we believe in that, and so we all felt that, well, whatever God has given us, it's for our good. So without worrying about why he did it, or what was the result going to be, we just pitched in and rebuilt and then because of this principle there were a few people who weren't ready to come up to the level of that test and they thought oh we can't stay here it's too much of a too much for us so they left you know people gave us money and we got money the first money we got was given to those people who left so they could leave comfortably and you might think well we didn't, that was going beyond the call of duty we should have Rebuilt our own homes first, but we decided, no, we wouldn't. We would help them. They suffered, we suffered, but they suffered in such a way that they couldn't face that thing. We could face it, and so we gave that money first to them, helped them to leave, and then we started to rebuild. We could easily have failed. We could have gone bankrupt. We chose to just keep on. We didn't sue anybody, we just did what we had to do in order to rebuild. Yes, we could have gone bankrupt, and you know this is the principle of of nishkam karma, action as Lord Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, without desire for the fruits. Mind you, God can take away everything. He can't take you away from you. He can take away your money, He can take away your property, He can take away your family. He can take away your body. But he cannot take away your love for him and he cannot take away your inner essence. That's who you are. Live in that and you'll know that no matter what happens, you are secure in the fortress of your inner consciousness. So, when you really embrace this attitude, then you do it joyfully. There isn't this thought that, Oh, yes, I've got to do it, but what a heavy burden. God, must you punish me so? God's not trying to punish you. But the Shiva aspect of God is trying to clear away the dead wood. You know, actually, that that, uh, fire was a great blessing in many ways. It helped to purify the community, first of all. It helped to get rid of those who were lukewarm, as opposed to those who knew they had just come for God. It helped those who had come for God to understand that's what it's all about. It isn't a nice home in the country. We didn't come. We don't create communities to create a perfect place in this world. You can't create perfection in this world. It's not a perfectible place. It's a school. When you have a school, you're not trying to perfect the school. You're trying to perfect the students. And so... This world is not meant to be. We should try to leave it better than we left it, but we should not expect that we can ever find a place. Even in the most beautiful galaxy, the most beautiful planet in that galaxy, the most wonderful garden, everything could be perfect. You know the wrong thing with it? Egos. And as long as you've got a physical body, you've got an ego. And as long as you've got an ego, you've got suffering, you've got limitation. You've got imprisonment, in a sense. But if you can exalt that ego by understanding that your happiness doesn't depend on a bunch of beautiful flowers, like here. You know, I've created a heaven on this earth. Our community in America, <coughs> this is where I live. Beautiful garden. Yes, you can. You should try to make beauty in this world. We've tried to do it, and it helps people But you know, nothing's ever perfect. In the most beautiful place, you will find perfection only when you can go into your own inner self. But as you do, you see, you begin to change the vibrations of the world around you. There is a woman who came to our community a few years ago. She had some way of testing the vibrations of different places. She had been to some of the most exalted cathedrals in Europe, for example, gone to all sorts of spiritual places. She was amazed when she came to this place here. She said the vibrations were much higher. The highest she had encountered, I think, but I may be wrong, were something like 26,000 a second of those vibrations. Here at Crystal Hermitage, as I called it, they were 35,000 a second. But that's because we fill it with God. We fill it with divine vibrations. This is what you need to do. It's not the place. It's the vibrations that really change people. People change. They see the beauty. They let their guard down, and they say, oh, this is beautiful. But then they tune into what is making it beautiful, the vibrations behind it. And ultimately, it will never be beautiful except to the extent that the people there We need to have beautiful people above all. And beautiful people means egoless people. It doesn't mean beautiful people in the jet-set sense. It means people who don't think about themselves, people who think of God, people who think of doing His will, people who think of meditating and serving Him. Now, when you can live like that, then you find that whereas there is, yes, we must accept that, We must accept it all the way along. Because God, no matter how far you go on the spiritual path, he'll give you tests. What you need to do is remove your ego from those tests. That's what makes it beautiful. Not the outward life, which sometimes can be not so easy. But in your heart there can be dancing. In your heart there can be joy. And so Krishna will take your old body and burn it up. He will give you a new body for your soul, not a physical body, a body of happiness and a body of love and devotion. And you will see that no matter where you go in your world, you are a different person. And one beautiful proof of that will be that wherever you go, people see that in you. People's lives are changed. You know, I had a lovely experience many years ago I was in Paris, France. It was my birthday, and I wanted to celebrate my birthday by going to a concert. And I saw this concert at a church. And so I went to the church, but I got there. As they were closing the door, they said, I'm sorry, the place is full. There were a lot of people outside, and they were keeping all of us out. And I I was sort of stunned, because I thought, well, God brought me here for my birthday, and he wants to celebrate with me. So I said, it's my birthday. And the man said, ah, l'heure, joyeuse anniversaire. And he he said, happy birthday. And he had me come in. But he couldn't put me in the audience, so he had to sit me up by the altar. So I could see this audience of about 700 people. And the music was really joyful. It was was divine. Anyway, later I was in the metro, the underground. And this old woman came to me and she said, do you remember me? And I, I said, well, I'm sorry, I don't. She said "But I was in the audience tonight. 700 people, I'm supposed to recognize one person in that crowd. But you know, she felt my joy, and it translated into a joy for her, and there was a very sense of communion that way. You will see that the more you have of that joy, the more it spills over into your environment. Others will feel it too. When you dance in God, he will dance with you, and the world will dance with you. This was, too, a part of the beauty of the life of St. Francis of Assisi. You know, when I'm in Italy, I live near Assisi. That's where our center and community are. And we have a retreat there, and people come from all over the world. And they go to these different shrines and so on. But the life of St. Francis was... Like the life of a real sadhu, wandering by the Ganges, rejoicing in God, and he shared that joy with all. Really, you know, he alone, well, not alone because he inspired many thousands of others, but he began that inspiration, which really changed the whole movement of Christianity, which was falling down into materialism and all the heaviness of that. He revived it by his... Simple joy in God. I wrote a song. I I did a little slideshow of his life, and I wrote a song which was about him, but you could apply it to anybody who is living in God. Father, now that I wander with thee, fields and flowers come alive with thy joy. You see, the whole world is different. The whole world has become beautiful. You know, how can you really enjoy the world unless you have God? I remember once up on Mount Waterman in California, and I was with another man, young man, and the sun was setting in the west with a beautiful golden glow everywhere. In the east there was this lovely silvery blue, ice blue shine in the, in the mist in the valleys as the moon, the full moon came up. A friend of mine looked at it, and he said, if only I could feel it. You know, this body is such an obstruction to our spirit. You haven't eaten enough or you ate too much and there's certain aches and pains and you feel the ants running over your legs, whatever it might be. If you could only get rid of that, but you do get rid of it when you can feel God's presence in you, suddenly these things don't matter so much. When you wander in God, you find everything becomes beautiful, and there's no obstruction of ego and body. There's only that one dancing in the spirit. And you will see that he places a new body, a new form, new clothing on your soul. Joy to you. Father, now that time... my name, birds and animals sharing my song, all oh, my soul.